Friends, will you pray with me? Of all the things we have shut down or shut out this year, God, we want to make sure that you aren't one of them. So may this moment of meditation allow us to be vulnerable to your presence and willing partners in transformation. Amen. It has been two weeks since they called him into the conference room, sat him down at the long table and told him very gently that it wasn't anything he had done, but there wasn't enough work to go around. He knew they didn't want to let him go. He could see it. He knew that this virus had stopped everything and it was the only thing that they could do. Things had been tight before, but now they were becoming unmanageable. And he knew he had to make the groceries last at least another few days. He wondered if his daughter had noticed when he kissed the top of her head at dinner and then went back to the living room instead of sitting down with her to eat for the second night in a row. Now she knew she was fortunate. She really did. She had a place to live with a window above the kitchen sink that looked out over a nice yard. She had food on her table that the lovely Meals on Wheels man delivered every week. But it had been three months now since she had touched anyone. And that had been an accident on a walk when she bumped into a stranger. The kids lived so far away and she was happy for them. She really was. She said it over and over again to herself as she dried her breakfast dishes and put them away. She knew she wasn't supposed to see anyone anyway. So why was this aloneness so hard? Why did drying her ancient world's best mom mug and putting it back on the shelf and looking out at her little garden make her feel so empty inside? Or perhaps more accurately, so full of tears. This morning's scripture tells us very little about Mary or where she was or what she was doing in that sixth month of the year. I think she was lying down because later she rises up. So I usually imagine her in the morning with that first fog of sleepiness still with her, sliding her feet out over the bed, not sure if the light that she was seeing was from the window or a dream or somehow related to the voice that she thought she was hearing. Greetings, favored one, or hail you who are full of grace. And then when the voice speaks again, I imagine her drawing the sheets back to herself, covering herself up, tucking her feet back into that bed more for protection than for modesty. I imagine that last little bit of sleepiness was a blessing, keeping her stuck at greatly agitated or acutely distressed rather than absolutely terrified. Hail, you who are full of grace. I can almost picture it. Almost a burst of light right there in her bedroom, right there in her kitchen, right there in his living room. A burst of light, a flash of insight, a voice so clear and yet so otherworldly to be felt like a dream saying that you are loved by God 
I see you, you there, teenager from nowhere, teenage girl from nowhere. I see you. I see you looking for God in this occupied country. I see you doing your best to be who I created you to be. I see you and you are full of grace. I see you there in your living room with your stomach rumbling, worried about how to feed your daughter and the bills piling up, how to pay them and wondering about your own worth. I see you and you are full of grace. I see you there, your head in your hands, wondering if this loneliness is all there is, if any of it matters anymore. A burst of light, a flash of insight and a voice that forms the love note passed down through the centuries so that it might find its way to you in precisely this moment. I see you. You are favored by God, just as you are, with bills piling up, to-do lists that you are drowning in, a loneliness that threatens to consume you with fears for the world and your children's world, fighting that addiction with every minute of every day with aches in your joints and aches in your heart. Worried about the violence that is being done to black and brown bodies like yours all over the country, the burning of Black Lives Matter flags in DC, the systemic biases in virtually every system we have, God knows that the world is dark and that the light is hard to find that you feel alone, that the struggle is, as they say, real. But 2,000 years ago, a girl heard a voice that told her that she was important, that she was loved, and that voice changed the world. That girl changed the world the very way we structure time because it meant that God sees you just as you are, whoever you are, whatever you are struggling with, the more broken you are, the more space you have to let this message in. Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Not with the kings, not with the rich or the powerful, not with the ones who think they know it all or have it all together, but you. From now on, if people want to know where to look for God, the angel says to you, I will tell them your living room as you struggle to figure out how to feed your family. I will tell them your kitchen as you struggle with the isolation. You are the one God chooses and you are not alone. It is to you that the angel of the Lord appeared and it is okay if the world feels off kilter, if you are acutely afraid or greatly disturbed because that's what this means, that God has not forgotten you. God is in fact right there with you. Whispering in your ear that one is coming who will change the way the world sees. Where they look for God because he will look like you. I wonder how long she sat there after all the light had been shed wondering if it was a dream. What do you do with the knowledge that you are God's favored one when nothing in the world around you says that at all? 
Do you tell everyone or do you keep it to yourself so you don't look unhinged? Did she whisper it into Jesus's ear as she rocked him to sleep? Did she tell it to all the disciples, telling them that she had known from before he was born that he was going to be special? And when do you think they realized that that wasn't family lore, not a love note from mother to son, but from the creator of the universe to her and to them and to you? When he tripped and fell, did she check his little baby body for signs that she had bruised God, did she look for signs of the light that she had seen on him, that love that she had known in that instant? Did that moment sustain her at the foot of the cross or did it pierce her more fiercely because of it? Friends, last week we read her response to this news, Mary's Magnificat, because it was sheer joy on Joy Sunday, one who was coming who would do great things, bring down the powerful from their thrones and lift up the lowly, fill the hungry, fill the hungry and send the rich away empty. But this week, this week we read the Annunciation because it is Love Sunday. And that is what this text is, wrapped up in a little baby package. It is a love note. What do you do with the knowledge that you of all people are beloved? That you of all places is where God is hoping to be born? What do you do with a knowledge like that? What will you do with a knowledge like that? That is a question of this text and the question of this season. Thanks be to God.